God, we're, uh, we are here willing and waiting for you to move. Jesus, that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. Lord, that you would wake us up to your truth. Lord, and that our lives would be different because of it. Jesus, I ask that you would you would just intercede for the things that we we may carry this week, Lord. God, physical ailments, difficult relationships. Jesus, hard decisions that we have that we face. Lord, this morning we grieve with our our city with with Gannon's family. Lord, as they mourn the loss of of this 11-year-old boy. Jesus, I pray that you would be near to the family and to the friends of Gannon. Lord, that you would comfort them. Lord, and that they would find out more about who you are during this time. Lord, I pray for just each person in this room. God, we we go throughout our weeks and maybe it feels a little bit like whiplash when we get into church and suddenly we're, we're focused on doing something spiritual. Lord, especially this morning with daylight savings time and our routine was interrupted. But God, your routine is not interrupted. Lord, you are the author of time. God, you give us this, all the strength and the energy and the power that we could ever need. Lord, I pray that you would be about anchor today, Jesus. That your Holy Spirit would pierce our ears with your truth. That we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. God, and the courage to follow through on whatever you're challenging us to do. Jesus, we trust you. We believe you are who you say you are. Holy Spirit, would you fall fresh on, on this space this morning? It's in Jesus' precious and holy and mighty name. Amen. I think we should pray over Jackie and Melvin this morning. How's that sound? You want to come gather around them? Jesus, we're so grateful that you, you protected Melvin and Jackie from what could have been a much worse accident. Lord, we are so grateful that that you're a God that was sitting in the car with them. Lord, you're not far away. You're not distant. You're not not responsive, Lord. You, you were right there. Jesus, and I 100% I believe and affirm that, that you saved them because they have a plan and a purpose still. Lord, that God is not finished working in and through them. Lord, I thank you, God, for the inspiration that they are to each of us. Lord, every single Sunday, every single day that I get to see them. Lord, and I know that I'm not just the only one in this circle. God, I pray over Jackie and Melvin's family right now as they, they adjust to a new normal. Lord, I, I pray for, for Jackie. Jesus, I pray for healing. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, I ask that 
that you would intercede for her on her behalf in ways that we can't. Lord, I ask for a holy and anointed healing of her oxygen levels right now. Jesus, we ask for this healing because we know that you want to heal us and that you are completely capable. Jesus, I pray that the oxygen levels would return back up to the 90s. (laughs) Lord, I pray that any other effects that that the concussion and bruising and all of that had, Lord, God, I pray that anything that's lasting on, that's hanging on, Jesus, that you would render that deaf, dumb, blind, and mute, and completely inoperable, Jesus, that she would be holy and fully healed and able to do your work. Jesus, we love you, we trust you, we thank you so much, Lord. And we are so excited to have them back here. God, would you be with them and be with us as we surround them during this time as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think that next year, and somebody needs to write this down and remind me, but I think that the Sunday of Daylight Savings Time, people should get, like, a cookie or a sticker or something. You know, <laughs> like, you did it, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but this morning has been rough for me. Uh, and we start church at 11, so I have zero excuse. Um, but just, man, the, the interruption of my, of my routine, that was, that was difficult. I don't know about you, but we were talking during worship uh, practice this morning how some of us have alarm clocks that are plugged into the wall, and some of us have alarm clocks that are, you know, our cell phones. And I just have this uncanny ability to uh, press that little button on the side of my phone that means snooze while I'm still sleeping. Uh, (laughs) And this morning... Man alive, I was good at it. <laughs> uh, I, I woke up and I thought, where were you, alarm clock? And it's absolutely my fault. Um, but that is one of the questions that I was asking this morning of myself. Where were you, alarm clock? And also, where did that hour go? Um, where, did that, where, did, where do the hours go that we lose? I don't know. Um, I don't like that. And I, I, I would sign a petition to get rid of daylight savings time if I could. But... Um, Anyway, that, that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. Uh, that's just your pastor being a human. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this morning, I, I know that a lot of us, we have kids, or we work with kids, or we're, we have grandchildren, and every single kid goes through this phase where everything that they say is a question, right? Like everything they say. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Why, why does mommy's hair look like that? I don't know. All of those things. And um, they kind of just go through this phase where everything that they have, it's all this like new exploration. And so I have a few. I was reading an article this week that was some of the funniest questions that kids have asked. And so I have a couple just to, you know, wake us up and allow us to laugh this morning. And the first one is this. Why did swear words get invented if we are not allowed to say them? <laughs> I'm like, 
valid point, you know? <laughs> valid point. Um, this is the next one. Mom, my belly hurts. Am I pregnant? By a five-year-old boy. <laughs> um, no, no, honey, you are not. Um, and then this one, I thought was this one kind of messed with me. Why do we have two eyes if you only see one thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's if it's the sleep deprivation or what, but I was like, man, that's interesting, you know, because lizards and all that. Okay, next one. If plants need rain and sun to grow and rainbows are made of light and water, are rainbows plant food? Yeah. How would I? I've never thought of that. That was pretty good. And this one is my favorite, and it's the last one. Why do spiders run away when I fart? <laughs> you know, better question. Why does everyone run away when I fart? You know, I don't know. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. And I I think that <laughs> we never really grow out of this phase. The questions themselves just get a little more complicated, don't they? They get more complicated. Like, why did they leave? You know, why did this happen? Or what should I say? Or what do I even do with this person? And then the ever-resonating question that we all wrestle with, why? Why did this happen? Now, there was a man in Scripture, now we're on, on this trek during, um, for the entire duration of Jesus' ministry, and the next one is a man who had a lot of questions of Jesus, and his name was Nicodemus. Old Nicky boy. So if you turn with me to John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, when it says Jewish ruling council, it really means something that you might be familiar with, and that is the Sanhedrin. So Nicodemus was a Jew, and not only just a Jew, but he was the Jew of all Jews kind of person. You know, there's no one quite as Jewish as the people that sit on the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin is, I, and I didn't know this, but the Sanhedrin is pretty much if you combine like the parliament and the priesthood together. They were a group of men, either 20 to 70 men, that were all Jews, and they all came together to represent Israel to Rome. Like we talked about before, that, that Israel was under Roman oppression. They were under Roman law. And so when we see Nicodemus, and it says that he was a Pharisee, and he was a part of the, the Sanhedrin, that means that he had started from the bottom, and he had climbed all the rungs on the ladder to get to be a part of the Sanhedrin. Let's keep reading in verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Now, I, I really love this, and we can leave this text up here for a second, because have you ever felt a butt coming? And I'm not talking like Big Booty Judy or anything. I'm talking like B-U-T, right? You know, you're in an argument with somebody, and you try to find something that you can both agree on, and then say, but... You know, it's kind of like, okay, we all know that the dishes have to get done, but I don't want to do them, you know? <laughs> you know, we all know that Pepsi is a garbage soda, but 
Coke is amazing. You know, we all know that the Broncos is the greatest football team ever. I didn't get a single cheer on that. What, what's going on? Uh, but why didn't they win the Super Bowl? You know, uh, you know we, we have those moments, right, where you just feel the butt coming. And Jesus, in this moment, he feels the butt coming <laughs> with, with Nicodemus. When you read this text, like imagine this, Rabbi, okay, we know that you're the teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs and wonders that you, or the signs you're doing if God were not with him. But, right, he says, okay, Jesus, let me level with you. We know, we know, we know that you're from God. But, and what Jesus does, he does something that he really does best, which is he interrupted. You know, he, he felt the butt coming, and he says, this is, this is what he says, Jesus replied. Notice, it says Jesus replied, but Nicodemus didn't ask a question, which I love, okay? But <laughs> Jesus replied, uh, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, this would be very confusing. This would be very confusing for Nicodemus. Because in Jewish culture, there was rebirth, right? You know, if you were a Gentile, and, and you wanted to be a Jew, you would go through this process of baptism, where you would die to your old self, and you would come anew to new life as a Jew. And then when it says, can we put that scripture back up there, actually? Um, when it says, they, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The kingdom of God at this time is synonymous with the kingdom of Israel. And, and the kingdom of Israel is not something that you need to do anything to be a part of necessarily. You're just born into it. You know, if you're a descendant of Abraham, like, Father Abraham, and many sons, Yes, so if you are a descendant of Abraham, you just, get to <laughs> you just get to be a part of the kingdom of God. In fact, rabbis during that time, they actually taught that Abraham sat next to the gates of hell just to make sure that none of his descendants accidentally went through the wrong door. <laughs> Which, like... Man, if you're going to mess up a moment, that's not one, right? <laughs> that's, that's laughable to me. But, but he's, he, Nicodemus would hear this, and he would think, what are you talking about, Jesus? You know, you're just born into the kingdom of God. And it, if you're going to be reborn, like, that doesn't make any sense. And this is what Jesus is getting at. He says the kingdom of God isn't about learn, just learning, but living. But it's not about just having all of the right answers. It's not just about head knowledge. Mind you, Nicodemus had a lot of head knowledge. So this would be very confusing for him. This would be incredibly confusing. What do you mean that we have to be born again? I was already born a Jew. I went to the right schools, I did the right things, I, I made the right commitments, and now I'm a part of the Sanhedrin. This doesn't make any sense. Well, let's keep reading. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And I'm like, 
Nicodemus, you're getting weird on us. Like, nobody thought that's what he was talking about, okay? Like, like gross, all right? This, this is, that is not what Jesus is saying. You know, this doesn't make any sense. And when you read that, it's like, surely they cannot enter the, a second time into their, their mother's womb. And if I was there, I'd probably think, okay, Jesus, like, Nicodemus, I thought that was obvious. Um, you know, I don't think that anybody, when they're older, are nobody's going to climb back into their mother's womb, and yet this is what he says. And that's co- confusing, because at first I think, Nicodemus, you idiot. What? <laughs> Obviously Jesus wasn't saying that. But, but if you notice what he says, it's not that Nicodemus was trying to figure out the mechanics of the situation. He was really just confused by what Jesus meant. He was mocking it, actually. He was saying, it would make more sense for me to climb back into my mother's womb than for this to actually be true. This was a statement about his race, about his ethnicity, about his culture that he was born into, about his birthright as a Jew. Uh, I like this. Marcus Dodds, he said this, Had our Lord said, every Gentile must be born again, he would have understood. You know, had Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know, uh, all of the people that aren't Jews, they'll have to be born again. He would say, yeah, that makes sense. But why me? That doesn't make any sense. And this is what Jesus says, verse 5. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and spirit gives birth to spirit. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, let me explain it to you in words that you would understand. Uh, Flesh gives birth to flesh. So Romans give birth to more Romans. Jews give birth to more Jews. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And we all have to be born of that spirit. We all have to be born by that that spirit. And he says something next, and I love this. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sounds, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it's with everyone born of the spirit. Which, you kind of get this like rock and roll view of Jesus in this moment. Just as the wind blows wherever it pleases, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And obviously Jesus is speaking very um, artistically with hyperbole and, and, and things like that. And he says, Nicodemus, God is not defined by your law. God is not restricted by what you think of him. In fact, he's like the wind. Like, I, there's there's a song that says that, right? My, my favorite song ever, uh, "Ride Like the Wind." <gasps> I'm gonna ride like the wind. Da 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 da. Yeah, that's my favorite song of all time. Uh, <laughs> but he says, he says, no, 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 Nicodemus. He is not bound by your standards of what you think a godly person is. No, he's like the wind. You feel it, you hear it, but you can't control it, 
and honestly, you don't know where it's going. And this is what Nicodemus says. How can this be? Nicodemus asks. How can this be? In other words, how did I miss this? You know, for all intents and purposes, Nicodemus is a man that is transformed by God, right? He's done all the right things. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's a teacher of the law. And he says, how could I miss this? How could this be, Nicodemus asks. And listen to Jesus' reply in verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Jesus responds and says, yeah, how did you miss this? (laughs) Right? He's like, yeah, dude, this is very weird. How did you miss this? Because for Jesus, the Old Testament is very laid out and it's plain in front of him that he was coming and that something was going to happen and that he was the Messiah. And so he looks at Nicodemus and he says, yeah, you're right, How how did you miss this? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still, people do not accept your testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't, do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Now leave, it, leave this up here. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you don't believe. Let's put it in our, our normal, normal vernacular. I could tell you that the sky is blue, and you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken to you about very earthly things. What? How then? Will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Why, why would you? Nicodemus, you don't even believe me if I tell you that the sky was blue. Why in the world would you believe me if I talk to you about things that you have never experienced? Now, hold on for a second here, because what happens next is very beautiful. Every single religion out there whether it be Buddha or Muhammad or like Catholic priests or what, whatever you have, whatever leadership or Godhead that, that people serve, there's always doubts about them, right? It's not just Jesus that people doubt. Everybody has doubts about other religions. But them having doubts in and of itself does not make that religion false. In the same way that I can think my doctor is a liar, but that does not mean that he is. When the test results come back, then I can prove that he is a liar. And Jesus, in this moment, he's already leveled with Nicodemus. He says, how did you miss this? He says, you don't even believe me that the sky is blue. Why would you believe me about heavenly things? But notice what happens in this moment. He does not say... Ugh, you're wasting my time. No, he, he speaks to him in a way that Nicodemus understands. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. And I'm sure Nicodemus just had a sigh of relief. Do, do one of those with me. <sighs> right? 
a sigh of relief. Moses, okay, I know Moses. Moses is my dude. You know, like, I've studied Moses. I understand him. Finally, you're speaking things that I understand, Jesus. I can get Moses. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. Now we're going to put a pin in this moment with Nicodemus because we need to understand what Jesus is picturing and what, what picture he's painting for Nicodemus. So when the Israelites were in the wilderness, this peculiar thing happened, which will surprise absolutely no one. They complained. Okay? <laughs> I know. Wow, the Israelites. <laughs> Who knew? Okay? That's, that's literally all that they did. Uh, but this is what happens in Numbers chapter 21. It says, They traveled from Mount Har along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. Big surprise. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Translation, ugh, bread from heaven, bread from heaven. I'm so sick of bread from heaven, right? <laughs> Come on, why have you brought us here to die? Bread from heaven, miracle bread. I can't believe it. <laughs> God does something that, man, I wish I could do it every once in a while, but that would not be holy. He does this. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's like, I'm done with you guys. I'm sending venomous snakes among them. And they bit the people, and some Israelites died. <laughs> Yikes. Ooh. And suddenly they're speaking a very different tune, you know. I love manna, bread from heaven, toast from heaven, cold manna, hot manna. I'll eat manna all day, every day, right? You know, if it means that we're going to get bit by snakes and die, yes, I will take the manna, right? And this is what happens. The people came to Moses and said, we, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord. Big surprise. And against you, pray that the Lord will take the snakes away <laughs> from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. You know, they come to him and they're like, okay, we get it. Loud and clear, we hear you, God. We should not have groaned against you. We should not have complained about the bread from heaven. Moses, will you please pray for us? Will you intercede for us on our behalf? And will you tell God that we're very sorry and that we love the bread? <laughs> this is what happens next. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on the pole. That, that, verse, or that verb is really important. Make a snake. Not, you know, catch one. You know, not, not, not grab a dead one. It says make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Hmm. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Very interesting. See, it, throughout Scripture, a snake is a sign for what? Evil. Sin. 
Also throughout scripture, bronze is a symbol for judgment. And so when Moses makes a bronze snake, it is a symbol of sin that was judged. Sin that was judged. And oftentimes when we read this this verse, we think of kind of like our, our medical symbol with the pole and the snake wrapped around it, right? That's not exactly how it would have looked. Um, I have a, actually have a picture of what that would have looked like. He took a bronze snake and he attached it in a horizontal stick. And this is interesting because what did it say that people had to do? Look at it. They had to believe that something that seemed seemingly foolish as just looking at a snake was going to save them. No doubt there were people that thought, that's insane, and they died. But all that was required was for them to look at this snake in the wilderness, to see sin judged, and to believe that that would work. And then they were saved. And so when Nicodemus hears this, this is the picture that he sees. He probably envisions the snake on that pole in the middle of the wilderness. And so this is what it says. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now this would be confusing for for Nicodemus. This would be mind-blowing. You know, Nicodemus is a man who probably walked in with a bunch of questions that didn't get answered. And he, he, listens, he listens to him and he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life. Very interesting. And the author of this book, John, he does something that I really love. He, he kind of gives, you know, a little comment. You know, when you're ever telling a story and, and there's a detail of that story that you just kind of need to have injected so that people understand what's going on, kind of like what I'm doing now, you know, <laughs> when somebody has a detail that they need to share, that's what John does in this moment. He, he kind of, he steps away and he says, listen, we didn't understand what was going on back then, but, but I understand it now. You know, I saw Jesus be, be crucified. I've seen that he rose again, and now I'm going to tell you this big, huge thing that he was queuing in on that nobody understood, and it's something that we have been quoting for centuries. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John says, we didn't get it. Nicodemus, he didn't get it that moment. But me, John, John is writing the book of John as an old man reflecting on all of the things that he witnessed. And he says, don't miss this, because we did. That God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this goes way back to the wilderness with the Israelites. God did not raise the snake up to judge Israel. He did not raise that up to judge the snake. He rose it up to heal his people. He, he rose it up so that people could look at it and live. Whew. That's powerful stuff. I love how Andy Stanley says it. He says, he showed up like an EMT to the world. When he realized the world needed a blood transfusion, he gave his own. That just as the snake in the, in the wilderness rose up, Jesus did the same thing. And Nicodemus, he leaves, and he, he's confused. Like, he probably goes home to his wife and his kids, and they're like, how did it go? You know? <laughs> did you get all your answers? Did you ask all your questions? How did, it, how did it go? And he's like, I don't know. Something about a snake on a pole, and now everybody gets it, and I don't get it. But Nicodemus actually gets it. He gets it later on. And this is how we know. Uh, this is how we know. It, later on in John, after Jesus dies, this is something that happens in John uh, 17. Later, Josephus, or jo Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, which was illegal. It was illegal for somebody who was crucified to have a proper burial. Actually, what would happen, what was legal, was for them to take the, that body, throw it on a pile, and let the dogs feed off of it. But, but Joseph of Arimathea, he asks Pilate for the body of Jesus. And now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but, he was secret, or, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. And this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Jesus, or Nicodemus looks at Jesus and just imagine what it must have felt like. Imagine what it must have felt like to be Nicodemus, who was a part of the Sanhedrin, who would have been there at the crucifixion. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine this. You're sitting on this hill, you're standing on this hill, and you just see tops of heads, really. You know, when you're in a crowd, you're in the back of the crowd, all you see is just this sea of people's heads. There's chaos. There's confusion. And over the top of all of these people's heads, suddenly, a pole was raised in front of them. I have a picture of what, what um, 
what Nicodemus would have seen. I have a picture of what he would have seen that. And suddenly it would have made a lot of sense. Just as a snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be raised. Not to judge, not, not to condemn. Can we see that picture one more time? Not, not to get lost, not, not, to, not to just believe some false accusation, no. But Nicodemus sees this man, and he says, just as he predicted. And not that we have to do anything, not because of everything that we learned or how, who we were born into, but because we choose to look at him. We choose to look at him and to trust that that can heal us. I'm going to invite Val up. This is what it all boils down to, and this, it's this one statement, and that is, God loved, so he gave. That's what we do with people that we love. When we love somebody, we would give them whatever that they, every, anything that they ever needed. And God loved you so much that he gave so much. And our choice, as the Israelites had that choice, as we have that choice, is to look, is to believe, is to believe it and to receive it. Would you pray with me? God, I am amazed at your attention to detail. Lord, I'm amazed at the fact that you do not, you are not afraid of our questions. Lord, you are not afraid of our doubts. God, but you are exactly who you say you are. Jesus, even Nicodemus knew that. Even somebody who wouldn't believe that if you said the sky was blue that you were telling the truth. Lord, he believed that. God, sometimes I get to that place where I don't believe you. Jesus, but I want to forget and I want to repent of turning my eyes away from you. God, I want to see you.